When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Alvar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up. Lots of red meat to chew on in the world of college football. Nick Saban v. Jimbo Fisher. Coach Barnett will weigh in in about an hour. We'll talk some baseball with Jabba Chamberlain. And, of course, Brandon Vogel here in about 20 minutes. Burke's best bets, Danny Burke. Danny will weigh in on some of the win totals that are out there in college football, specifically the number of seven associated with Nebraska. Can join us some time for you today, as always, and can dial us up at 466-3776-800-825. Five eight six five. Can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com and always find us on Twitter. Can tweet at us at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So the topic du jour is you know, what side are you on? Are you laughing at Jimbo Fisher and his scorched earth emergency press conference, impromptu press conference in response to Nick Saban? Or are you uh, throwing darts at Nick? All right, Nick Saban, who are you? Aside from arguably uh, the greatest college football coach of of all time uh, when it comes to titles. Who are you to whine after you've won so much? That's really the gist of it. And it's it's been a soap opera today. You had Saban go off last night. You had Jimbo respond this morning. Saban was on with Sirius XM about 45 minutes ago and specifically apologized. I have, I don't have the audio of it, but I do have the, uh, the, the Nick Saban quote here. And Nick Saban said this on Sirius XM College, our old buddy Schick hosts that. I should never have singled anyone out. That was a mistake. I apologize for that. He has singled out A&M. He has singled out Deion Sanders. Both those guys. Funny, Travis Hunter, the five-star that's at Jackson State. There's an insinuation that he got a million dollars to go to Jackson State. Deion said, hell no. And Travis Hunter's like, by the way, if I've got a million, why is mom still living in a three-bedroom house with with five kids? (laughs) I'd take care of mama. Lane Kiffin has weighed in, and it's pretty priceless. Uh, Jim uh, Kiffin's posted this. Jimbo has the nerve to say it wasn't the NIL. 
when it comes to why A&M's doing so well. Zero five stars in 2018, two five stars in 2019, two five stars in 2020, one five star in 2021, the era of NIL, seven five stars, the highest rated class of all time. You've lost to Ole Miss, you lost to Mississippi State, you lost to Arkansas, you lost to LSU, you finished four and four in the SEC, but it's clear that NIL has nothing to do with it. Big Kent from Barstool has the best idea. Let's put A&M and Bama on pay-per-view next week. All the money goes to the winning team and their NIL slush funds. <laughs> so where do you side? Here is Saban's problem. And the question is this. Is Saban sending a warning or is it sour grapes? And the answer is it's both. Nick Saban hates to lose. Nick Saban hates to lose to an assistant. And Nick Saban is saying, I will adjust just like I have throughout college football. Nick Saban last night at the World Games in Birmingham press conference. Ironically, this was an amateur sporting event. You've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team. Made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. You know what that was? Every fan that has a, a big old checking account or a trust fund or both is in that audience because they paid to see Nick Saban speak. That is his call to action. You better get on it if you want to stay number one because the old ways of how we do NIL potentially or the old ways of just being right and scouting and developing and getting the best talent no longer will be the separator. If a kid can go top five, go into a different school in a less abrasive, communistic way than Camp Saban, they're going to do it. And there's no more edge for Alabama. That edge is gone as long as A&M's around from uh, an ability to attract the best talent. Best talent wins. Groundbreaking take, I know. But A&M's always had good talent. Bama's had great talent, and they've combined it with a work ethic. And it comes down to, when are you going to get paid? Do you get paid up front at A&M by the collective? It's not illegal. Or with the Saban method, there's preference of earning your money before you get it. Most of us have to work before we get paid versus the money up front. (laughs) And Saban right now, using the media in front of his boosters, let him know what's up. Jimbo's, Jimbo Fisher had his response. Nine minutes. Uh, be careful if you have extra hairspray on or you're around something flammable. Because it is hot. It is vicious. It is Jimbo firing back and did everything except step over the line of saying, Nick Saban's a cheater. I know because I've coached with him. That wasn't said, but you danced on that old free throw line and almost crossed it several times, Jimbo, from earlier today. 
Coach, uh, like to respond to some comments made last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous But when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, Go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. So, again, insinuation one, go talk to folks who've coached with him, who've worked for him about the air quote parody. If you're counting, I know it's 100 days till college football starts. It's 142 days till A&M visits Alabama. Uh, more on the God complex from Jimbo towards St. Nick. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to set our this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. Yeah, it gets more juicy, Elijah. I mean, it, it is gloves off, scorched earth. How dare you accuse me of cheating? I'm not cheating. And listen, there's an advantage. A&M's oil rich. Why would, would you normally pick A&M over Bama? Depends what type of kid you are. And honestly, I listen, I, I don't want to get sued here, but I'm, I'm not I'm not above thinking that to, to get things started up. There's the SMU model, I guess, is what I'm saying. You can cheat to get good, and then you don't have to cheat anymore. That has happened in college football. Did it happen at Bama? I don't know. But there's, there's been this rule, right? You talk about unwritten rules in, in the world of baseball. And Bruce Feldman talked to a former SEC assistant when it comes to the Saban and Jimbo blow-up. And the assistant, who is anonymous, there's always been an honor amongst thieves mantra in the league. And those two just called each other's wives fat to a global audience. (laughs) More from uh, Jimbo Fisher's response. Pure gold. Nine minutes of Jimbo's press conference. Uh, more on the person Nick Saban really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation 
about things we do. And it's it, it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you, the people who insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. So the offense here is, well, clearly you're paying people to come here. You're breaking the rules. How else are you getting good players? Because clearly they wouldn't want to go to A&M. So last thought here from Jimbo on, on Saban. Uh, the questions start, and I feel bad for the SID because he needs a bottle of scotch and a handgun right now having to, to deal with this. But this comes down to, you know, Nick trying to reach Jimbo today, the phone call. Questions to the left, Olin? Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. <laughs> you just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. you got all the advantages, uh-huh. it's easy. I like how it seemed like Jimbo was waiting for the reporter to move on to his next question before continuing. Well, you heard the gasp. <laughs> you heard the gasp. You heard the gasp from the audience. The mic picked it up, and you heard the SID go, and Jimbo was ready to get up, and questions, and oh, no. This is how the phone call might have gone. Joey from Barstool put together another impromptu, phenomenal impersonation between Jimbo's phone call to uh, to Nick Saban. Should be noted, Joey formerly from Barstool. Oh, he's got his own thing now. So he's going, got his own thing now. So. Okay, thank you for for that help. But this is pretty solid. Oh, Saban, I don't know what the hell that was last night. Talk about calling the pedal black. I mean, that gummy. Jimbo, I don't know what you're talking about. All right, that's not how I run my program. Oh, man, right. Obtain national titles and five-star five recruits from sea to shine and sea, but not a dime from your pocket, sure. Look, I don't pay these players. I, I just scare the living bejesus out of them so they don't go anywhere else. <laughs> Plus, how else are people supposed to believe that you get these kids that commit to live in College Station? Oh, yeah, right, because I forgot the Tuscaloosa, the Miami Beach, or Bama. It is if I say it is. Look, Coach, you believe whatever you want to believe, but just know that we are coming for that ass again in 2022. <laughs> yeah, sure, there's an 8-4 record. An appearance on the Outback Bowl. Congrats. That gummit? Whoa, now easy there, boys. Can't we all just get along like peas and carrots and mama's chicken pot pie? We are, after all, one big SEC family. Brian, how the hell did you even get on this call? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Voice of reason, the ghost of Bear Bryant. <laughs> it was at A&M before he went to Alabama. We'll have more from from Jimbo Fisher. Do you side with either? Are you sick of both? Or is there some gray area for you, the college football fan? I look at it as this. Saban is, is again, challenging his boosters. He's got to adapt like he was the first to go get the 
analyst position. So he took kid, took coaches that were fired that are really bright minds. You went to Saban Rehab and bang, you got spit out as a head coach or a coordinator. And you you revamped and rehabbed your coaching career. Nick Saban went from pro style to dual threat because he got beat by a couple of dual threats, Johnny Football and Cam Newton. He also uh, hasn't had to contend with something as massive as NIL ever. He's all for guys having the opportunity, but he kind of likes the old school way of, I'll give you the platform, go get what you can get, but, but go earn it through me. And Jimbo's got an advantage right now with a lot of money, a monster collective, and a lot of players. They still got to tackle, catch, and score touchdowns. Tuscaloosa will be interesting. Brandon Vogel's next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We are efforting uh, future Baltimore Hall of Famer Sam Cook tomorrow. See if that happens. He retired today. Decade and a half Killing it for Baltimore and the pride of Seward. Just an incredible job in the NFL for one Sam Cook. I don't know if he has the leg of Sam, but uh, his takes rock. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. We'll have more of Jimbo Fisher's response despite the apology here in the uh, aftermath of Saban. V. Jimbo. Vogues, how much popcorn have you had today? It looks like Lane Kiffin, that's all he's done is, is watch. I would love running commentary by old Lane on this whole thing. Well, he's, he's provided it to a degree. I mean, it would have been nice if he just live tweeted it so we could all all get his un, unfiltered thoughts, but uh, he certainly <laughs> shared a couple of things. I mean, Lane, Lane Kiffin kind of got this train started back in February, I think, with, mm-hmm. I mean, at least, okay, we know that uh, message board rumor becomes something people are talking about, and Lane Kiffin was definitely one of those people talking about, and seems to have kind of the, uh, they had an interesting relationship with Nick Saban, I guess, would be the best way to put it, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's not many people who are better suited to uh, to sit back and watch this than Lane Kiffin. What do you believe here? Uh, with Saban's comments, what do you feel about Jimbo's response and then Nick's apology, not a direct I'm sorry to Jimbo, but more so I shouldn't have singled anybody out. I mean, it was, an, it was more of an apology than – it wasn't a great apology, but it was, it was better than some. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> 
Um, I know Nick Saban said in his uh, afternoon radio appearance that he made a mistake, but it is my feeling that Nick Saban does not very often make mistakes. So we've seen him be out there. We we saw him out there last week uh, talking about parody, and then we have this incident. You know, a couple of years back, <laughs> he, he bemoaned the rise of kind of up-tempo football. And then he went that direction, and they do it as well as, as anybody does. So I'm of the belief that when Nick Saban does these things, and he always seems to do them when they are in the kind of college football zeitgeist. You know, people are talking about the transfer, transfer portal right now. They're talking about NIL. Uh, so he'll hop in there and be like, well, as, as the guy who wins more than anybody else in this game, he doesn't say that, of course, but it's implied. Uh, here's what I think about it. And it always seems to end up uh, not harming Alabama at all, which I think is the, exactly the case here. Um, he, he comes out and says what he says. By the way, if you look at his full comments from that, the full video of, of what, what he said at that event in Birmingham, he makes a pretty clear pitch to a fairly, you know, ritzy group of people from what I've seen in terms of what it costs to get into that event of, hey, these Texas A&M over here is doing this. I don't like it, theoretically, but, uh, you know, time is going to come where we may need to boost our efforts at Alabama in terms of what we're able to do if the game's going to go this way. I mean, in that way, it reminds me exactly of when he said, is this what we want football to be? He didn't want it, football to be up-tempo with the way offense was going, the way rule changes were going, but it's what it was. And Alabama adapted and remained Alabama. Uh, it's from the A&M side, like, I understand why Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher was as upset as he was. Calling a press conference to basically, like, burn the house down is, is fine. Certainly entitled to react that way. Put it this way, for me, I don't think that helps A&M beat Alabama come October. Folks, let's look at the, the A&M side of things here, because I, I think you can see the irony in the fact that, that Jimbo calls a, an emergency press conference to call somebody else a narcissist. But we'll, we'll move on from that for just now. But is it possible that this is Jimbo in the wake of getting all these five-star recruits? I mean, we know he doesn't like the narrative of the only reason these guys are coming to Texas A&M is because we paid them. Uh, he doesn't like that narrative. He's gone off on that multiple times. But do you think this could be Jimbo trying to, to set the sights of this A&M program a little bit higher, putting uh, Alabama in their crosshairs in the wake of, of the recruiting success they've had? Yeah, that's possibly. That's that's a good point. Um, it's probably, you know, the it's probably the kindest move for, for A&M. It wasn't where my mind first went. But now that you mentioned it, I think it could be. And, you know, it, you, you have to be able to do that because if A&M's going to recruit like this, whether that's because, you know, these, Jimbo's just doing an amazing job and th- these kids want to show up there, or if NIL has some part of it. And it's probably a little bit of both of those things, um, as it should be and as I think it is probably in most places in the country. Um, they're going to have to compete with Alabama. Texas A&M went 4-4 four four in, in the, the SEC last year like you know it it was a strong season from where they started um probably a little bit of a disappointment and now they bring in the number one recruiting class in the country and and they're building you know they're building something there um but if they're going to get to where they want to be they're going to have to contend with Nick Saban in Alabama uh, among others in in the SEC I mean 
it's impossible for me to forget that when, when Jimbo took that job, they gave him a college football playoff championship trophy that was blank. And that's won 18 conference titles. They've been in a conference for, I think, 120 years and won 18 conference titles. So, I mean, they clearly are shooting for the highest honors possible. And if you're going to do that, you can't back down from Alabama. Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor, Dream Like a Champion, his book with John Cook. Jimbo almost broke the code of Omerta, if there is such a thing, Vogues, with his insinuation multiple times. We'll hear more of it here in about 10 minutes. But he did everything but, all right, you're going to call me a cheater. Don't You can't call me a cheater. You can't call me a liar because I'm not. But, all right, go talk to some of, some of Nick's uh, former coworkers here about how, how Rome was built. I mean, that, that was blaring uh, in, in the, the nine minutes. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, I mean, there's <laughs> – with <laughs> how Alabama kind of – has taken coaches, uh, a lot of them recently fired, um, kind of helped them build back up and, um, you know, move on to the next step because if you, you know, are a successful coach at Alabama, which, you know, to be honest, it's, it's kind of hard not to be. Um, <laughs> that's become the way that people want to go. And, I mean, what Lane Kiffin's doing at Ole Miss um, you've got some good examples of that. Kirby Smart of probably being the best one uh, of picking somebody off of the Saban tree and turning some of those, you know, may not get Alabama level of, of yield year after year, but you can get pretty close and Georgia's right there. Um, and of course, you know, you've got Jeremy Pruitt and some others that haven't worked out so well. So taking that part of it, uh, like there's a lot of coaches out there uh, that have been under Nick Saban and this Jimbo thing, like must've been brewing for a while. Obviously he had the impetus with last night's comments to, to finally say, all right, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm finally going to say what I've been meaning to say for a while. But that said, like if those rumblings are out there among other past Saban coaches, I haven't seen or heard a lot of them, um, and not that I would. I don't traffic in Alabama circles that closely, but it just it struck me as kind of implying that there's a lot out there. When I actually, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised if there was. Right, and and that is interesting to just go through the history uh, and topic of paying players. You know, I mean, the insinuation. To me, from Jimbo, I'm reading into this. I'm not accusing, but my read-in is, you know, Nick, you're, you're not so up and up yourself, man. And, and, and I think from a work environment standpoint, it's probably not a fun, lot of fun to work for the guy, Vogues, but you, you do it to further your career. Yeah, I don't think it probably probably is a ton of fun for, you know, your, your average coach. Like, I mean, again, like, and this was – Saban's comments were another example of it to me. Like he just has a like Jordan level kind of obsession with winning all the time. Like, and it, it can be May. I mean, this was probably the most entertaining May day in college football history <laughs> because normally nothing is happening in May. Um, so it seemed a little bit like that. And I guess, you know, for me, for me to feel that way, you kind of have to go back to, well, do you take Saban 
kind of at face value and be like, well, why is he bemoaning this? Like, it's all kind of technically above board. Like, for Jimbo to come out and say, we didn't cheat. Like, we didn't do anything wrong. I fully believe that. Like, and, and really, most coaches, I think, in the country can probably say that. Be like, well, this is, these are the rules now, and we followed those rules, and so it went. But it's just, like, the demand, if you can rise to Saban's level, and he pretty much demands that you do, um, it's it can be pretty good for you. Mm-hmm. But I have no doubt that it's very, very challenging mm-hmm. the whole way up that hill. Vogue's about two minutes here, a little less than. Uh, love the mailbag question uh, this week with HaleVarsity.com. And what what's your expectation for the Husker offense as far as to to kind of start hitting on all cylinders? Big question. It's It's May. But at what point in the season does it need to start rocking and rolling? Well, they they get a little bit. I mean, Northwestern. It's it's hard to it's hard to bet against Pat Fitzgerald's track record here. And on paper, they have to replace a lot. They probably have to replace their two best defenders. You got North Dakota, which which actually lost a good a good amount of its contributors from last year, but a, a really sound program, a solid one. Georgia Southern's kind of experienced, um, but going through a total total coaching transition. They retained one assistant there. Uh, and then you got Oklahoma, which which has Brent Venables, but defense was, was a little bit disappointing, I think, last year overall based on expectations. So you've got you're not coming out of this and facing Wisconsin or Iowa, you know, in the first four weeks. That doesn't mean those defenses won't be good. So for me, like I think the biggest health check for this offense is if they score more points and put up very similar yard totals, um, which which might seem you know a little bit silly, but it really Nebraska's never had a problem with yards; it's had a problem with points, and that for me is going to be the thing I'm looking for. Is four games enough to assess that? It feels a little early to me, but that's a third of the college football season. You don't get you know a whole lot longer than that. So by game five six you probably need to show some signs that that is either possible or already here. Good take. Got a chance to ramp up and got a wicked close in November uh, with some who's who, but make them count by being in position for sure. Vogues, we'll talk again next uh, this weekend, but thanks for a few minutes. Yep, thanks a lot, guys. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Your chance coming up to beef up your backyard with ESPN, your friends at Capitol Patio. 
And yes, Russ's market meet for that smoker will give you a chance to qualify for that here before five and also in the five o'clock hour. Gary Barnett with us. His take on Saban versus Jimbo and some Nebraska football, the offense. Uh, what can Whipple and crew do and how soon can they do it? Similar to what we were talking about with Brandon Vogel. Be sure to check out Vogue's on the podcast and on the on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com for all the interviews. SoundCloud's up on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle as well. Clint Lamb, the on-three reporter for Alabama, poses this question towards Jimbo Fisher. So if Jimbo coached under Saban with plenty of success and Saban was cheating the whole time, wouldn't that mean, well, you know what? Never mind. You have the A&M uh, athletic director weigh in, and that's Ross Bork talking to Sports Illustrated. Nick Saban's comments violate SEC sportsmanship bylaws, and he's been in contact with Commissioner Sankey. Bork calls the comments personal a personal attack, and suggests Saban lashing out because he's threatened. This is personal. And listen, it is. This is a a pup you watched grow up, theoretically, coach under you. And Saban is not in the same position A&M is in with NIL. Now, (laughs) that'll change. Because the challenge in Gauntlet's been thrown down to the Bama Boosters. And it's really up to uh, Saban saying, hey, do you want to stay on top? This is how teams are going to challenge us. This is the edge they have on us through NIL. Get with it. Adapt or die. Pretty much. More from Jimbo earlier today uh, in response. This was the wildest presser probably since Calipari and, and, and Coach Cheney. And I just wanted to just put it point blank. So no players in your – you're saying that no players in There's the There's no, no re- bylaws of anything any we're ever or... promised, done anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17-year-old and his family broke laws. No. So I haven't broken any laws. More from Jimbo here and gets in there about – what it's like working under Bobby Bowden versus working under Coach Saban. You know, y'all have both spoken so highly of each other in the past in terms of what y'all have done in your previous relationship. So how disappointing was it to hear that from him, you know, in terms of, you know, a mentor type to you It's disappointing. Well? No, I wasn't. Now, listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him with opportunities. Coach back behind Don't the lights. Be associated with it. <laughs> so he had the SID trying to further along the interview and uh, presser and field questions, and, and Jimbo just keeps keeps adding I- into it. Well, I, I know we've been saying, oh, I feel bad for the SID here, but I feel bad for Jimbo in a sense, too, because that SID just keeps on screwing up all his dramatic pauses. He has some great like pauses for dramatic effect in here, and the SID goes, oh, unless you're wrapped up. unfiltered. <laughs> he was unfiltered about 10 o'clock. Uh, more from from Jimbo here. And, uh, again, the, uh, the God slash Christ implication of walking on water. 
And I know that you don't necessarily, you can't have the the conversation with people who do NILs or have that contact, but would you like to see the the, the collective that that, that does support I would like to find unified rules across this country to put things in place. That's what I want. And I don't know what those are. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I don't know what the antitrust laws, all those bylaws, the government needs to step in because this is, these things here. And what's funny, in that talk, right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? It's amazing, wasn't it? To the left, Rob. When you walk on water, I guess, don't matter. <laughs> More from Jimbo. We're doing it the right way here, Elijah. Howdy, Coach. Um, so you've told us how you don't look at social media. How, tell, tell us about when you found out about I'm, I'm right here, Coach. Mark Robinson called me. Okay. And, and how important was it for you to, to have this press conference so that you could defend your players and your I'm not program? defending anybody. I'm just giving you the truth. Because I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. And our program has nothing to hide. be interesting if everybody could say that. Parenting advice next from Jimbo Fisher. Down front, Brent. Is there some thought on uh, – collectives you know schools programs collectives universities collectives are you aware of what they do how they go about it and no, so not, forth so you have no in knowledge of any of they have collectives of- i know there's a collective here i don't know who's got what when's got what had no idea last year that is not what we do or what we're about i was gonna say that's by design you saying hey i'm staying out of this yeah i mean it, how am i gonna i mean i have no sponsorships in those things and that's the truth what do you listen i'm gonna tell you one thing you can, you can call me anything you want to call me you ain't call me a cheat I don't cheat and I don't lie. So I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Yeah, that's one you. thing you don't. Now you're fooling with their name. That don't. <laughs> from Texas A&M's name, you're saying with those kids' name and our name. I'll put it with any of them. See what what he did there reminds me of an old uh, an old adage I've heard, which is you don't want to see how the sausage is made. No, you, you just just make it taste awesome on the flat top grill. That's the, that's collective. While we're tailgating for you. Oklahoma, you don't. And and listen, he can tell me that he doesn't know what's up. There's got to be some indication, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's got to be a reality. Who are you going to go pay then? You leave it up to J.R. Ewing Jr. To, to figure out what quarterback he thinks is best, or is there going to be some sort of insinuation what quarterback you want to go get for A&M? Jimbo's the talent evaluator. Jimbo's the quarterback whisperer. Jimbo's the guy who went to Alabama and got Jameis while Saban was there. Here's what I think. This is absolute speculation. I think Saban still teed off that they got beat on a field goal by a Four and four SEC team last year. Saban's teed off. He finished second to his former protege in recruiting. Saban's teed off. He got beat for the national championship by another protege. And and he's he's in he's in season form already. He wants to go get it going, and he wants someone to step forward and either keep it so he can have ultimate control and advantages again. Or he needs the people that are going to scream bloody murder if he goes 11-2 and two this year to get off their back pocket and open that back pocket up with some fundage. That's what, that's what last night was. And he picked on Jimbo because he knew he could. And he knows that he's going to hang half a hundred by halftime on him in 142 days. Or he's going to try to. 
We'll get Gary Barnett's take on this. And I might need to get Danny Burke's take on this as well with saving with a chip on his shoulder. Does that mean I need to bet Alabama for the Futures National Championship this year? They're, they're already your, your favorite. Yeah. By, what, plus 250? They should be every year. No, well, right. And the, the, the model of how Bama does it is what's threatened right now. Right now. The, the type of buy-in and attitude. We'll wind down hour one next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Deion Sanders has sounded off on Twitter. You best believe I will will address the lie, capital L-I-E, Coach Saban, capital Saban, told tomorrow. I was awakened by my son. He sent me the article stating we paid Travis Hunter a million to play at uh, Jackson State. We as a people, capital people, don't have to pay our people, capital people, to play with our people, capital people. Nick Saban. Again, part of his comments from last night's World Games in Birmingham amateur sports event. I tell recruits the same thing. Our job is not to buy you to come here to school. And I don't know how you manage your locker room. And I don't know if this is a sustainable model. We'll get thoughts from Gary Barnett on this Donnybrook in a moment. We'll hear now a couple of last thoughts from Jimbo Fisher, a couple of parting shots. Specifically, uh, we, we've heard about parenting skills from Jimbo. What about what type of architecture is necessary for your home? When you, when you talk about uniform legislation, would you like to see that the schools be able to have a little bit more ability to? I, I, listen, I'm not, I, I don't know that. I don't know what's right. I just, it just needs to be uniform across the board. And it's hard because the government's going to have to get involved with it. I'm not into that. I just know that what we did was nothing wrong, was not done the wrong way. Nothing was promised. Nothing was deal. And we didn't buy, every, we didn't buy any players. You've been in this business a long time. A long time. Seen a lot of things. It's disgusting to what we're into right now, especially by the people who are throwing the darts, who have no glass in their house. So this was the last question. Is Nick Saban bending the rules, Jimbo? Do you suspect Nick has uh, bent the rules? No, I didn't say that. It's a made a statement. All right, Coach. Appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> the look and the tone imply different. The, the, it's the ultimate. Just get this liability off me. For the last yeah, 10 not, minutes, I've implied uh, that Nick Saban has bent the rules for his entire time at Alabama. But when you ask me point blank, I'll, I'll keep my hands yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you saying? How'd you get that from what I've said? Yeah. What's, what's, <laughs> here's the full question. Cut. Cut uh, 15 here. And it started out. You just snuck that in at the end before it was time to take off. My question was, is this the most upset, disappointed, angry you've been about something in your coaching career? It's despicable for what it does for the sport. And the operations, the way things were done the other way, when the parity was there, like we said, never has been parity. Certain people never followed the rules anyway. Do you suspect Nick has uh, bent the rules? No, I didn't say that. It's a made a statement. <laughs> All right, Coach. Appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm going to go drink seven Crown and Cokes. 
says the poor SID man down at, a, down at A&M. Wow. Okay. Coach Barnett, Jabba Chamberlain, Danny Burke, Visa Sports Network, loaded hour two. Keep your emails uh, on the way in. Chris at HaleVarsity.com, Team Saban, or Team Jimbo, or Team Neither. Uh, which I totally get. Let's get qualified to uh, beef up your backyard. How about the Smoky Mountain Cooker Smoker from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop? Also a gift card to Russ's Market. Some meat for that smoker. We'll do the giveaway end of May. Caller 9 right now, 466 Caller 9 right now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern Hall of Fame player from Missouri, Gary Barnett with us. Coach, how's the week? Uh, The week's good. I'm heading back to Boulder, though, here uh, over the weekend, and we're going to have two to four inches of snow. So we're rapidly trying to cover all the plants by one of our friends or my daughter-in-law. Because there's, you know, you just, you can't trust the weather until after May 20th. And uh, we went ahead and planted them anyway. Man, you're not kidding. We have baseball this weekend, and it's going to be mid-50s and cold after 95 today. So uh, you can keep your snow, though. We'll let you do that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, hey, uh, interested to get your thoughts as things are underway at Southern Hills and just incredible pairings. You got to give me a pick. I, I didn't do that for for the Masters. I want to get your pick and give her played or, or know anyone who's played with John Daly. I know he got off to a good start. You know, um, I, I don't know how you don't pick Scheffler. Yeah. In this. I mean, I'm, I would pick Scheffler. I don't know. He's on such a roll and he's got such a great demeanor for all this. Uh, I think the golf course fits him pretty well. Um, I, I don't know how you bet against him, but as you know, just somebody always gets hot in these things that you you don't necessarily see coming. John Daly is, has shown he can't sustain those kinds of leads. He can play pretty good, pretty well for a short period of time. He, I don't think he's just made to do that, but um, yeah, I, I like Scheffler in this uh, this event. There'll be Tiger Watch, of course, and, and what do you think of the pairing with Spieth and Rory and Tiger uh, all on one setting. That's going to be a uh, that'd be a lot of fun to be there. But it it also, from a periphery standpoint, could be distraction be a distraction with uh, everyone wanting to follow that specific group. Well, 
Yeah, I think that's probably true, but uh, it makes for great TV. And, uh, you know, TV wants to follow those three anyway, and so might as well put them all in one group. It's going to get more coverage for everybody else. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, I, I, I like when they do that kind of stuff, especially on a Thursday. Um, I think it's I think it's good for the, you know, for the for the whole industry. All right, I'm going to ask you to to divulge. Give me three other coaches you love playing golf with. If 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 you could pick three, and you are the the fourth for the foursome, who who do you want to? Who would you go play around with? Current or former coaches? Uh, well, I think Frank Beamer would be uh, one of the really fun guys uh, uh, to play with. I mean, we we used to play on events. Bobby Stoops is is a really uh, fun guy to play with. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, well, I'd probably go with your guy there, at Nebraska, our Frosty? offensive coordinator. Okay. Yeah. Whipple. I think I'd go. I think we have a pretty good match, the four of us. I think so. I think so. Now I know. Price is top dollar for 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 Southern Hills when you want a beer. Uh, I think it'd be a priceless situation, Coach Barnett, if you could uh, ride along if Jimbo and and Nick were playing golf today together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's can't miss TV right there. Um. <laughs> what do you think of that? What do you think of Saban last night in that forum? And we, we've all seen the audio, we've heard the audio, read the story where Saban's going off on A&M buying guys for NIL, and it's the Saban warning. Does he have a point, or does he seem just kind of bitter and ticked off that there's there's uh, you know, there's some, some competition? I think Saban's just so smart. He's in front of a bunch of Alabama businessmen mm-hmm. when he says this. So he's challenging them. Uh, I think deep down, probably every coach in America thinks the NIL thing, for the most part, the, all the parts, all the things that get written about are are going to be bad for the sport. Mm-hmm. For for not not for the top thirty teams, but for all the other people and kids who play college football. And uh, I think. Nick, to some extent, is standing up for that, and and I would agree. Um, but he's just challenging the, the people there in Alabama, and sooner or later, someone, no one has any faith in the NCAA, and and um, it, it, it's going to have to be some federal agency that ends up taking this thing on uh, because it's it's uh, it's going to get out of hand. Now I think it'll burn out eventually here, but. Um, I think Nick would, all of us would probably stand up and say our, our guys need more money. They, they needed more money than what they'd gotten. Uh, I don't think we they need as much money as some of them want. But I think that Saban's just challenging the people there in Alabama, and I think he's making a point that um, all of this is not good for the long-term uh future of the sport and for all the guys that play it who who don't get nil money and don't and are in a locker room with guys and and nil guys depending upon 
uh, you know, it's such a team sport. I mean, th- that quarterback who's making all the money is so dependent on that left tackle and that center, and and is he sharing that money? I mean, what's going on? I, I just think it creates a tough locker room right now, and it'll eventually work itself out, Chris. I mean, it, we're all alarmist mm-hmm. uh, when it when it this kind of change happens, and it's it's so uh, different than what we're used to. But uh, you sent me the article on the California law. That yeah, that's that's crazy. Might make it through. That uh, you know gives them fifty percent of the revenue. Um, you know, and I I think I talked about this when this whole thing started. Is eventually that's what they're going. That's what they want to get to. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maji, who runs that organization in California, they've been wanting to get that for. Two years now, three years. They put out the all the stats on it uh, over a year ago, and um, so that's to me that's where it's going. But that's where it'll also separate out only of only a few that can pay that kind of money, and then uh, you know I, I don't I don't think I don't think fans I don't think states I don't think organizations will put up with it. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, to the Saban relationship, and Saban's lost to Kirby Smart now in the national title game. Jimbo upset him last year in College Station. I don't know Nick at all. I know people who've who've covered him, and I know coaches that, that have spent time with him. He's super competitive, but he seems like a pretty genuine guy. I, but he's also a uber competitor. I don't think he likes losing to guys on his coaching tree. And d- does does it make a difference that it's Jimbo that's that's threatening the, the the personal side of this? I don't know. I don't know how deep that relationship goes. That's what or my how question much. is, yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, whether there's pent up things from the past. I, I don't know that, uh-huh. um, but. Um, I think more than anything, Nick's just making a statement. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, they still got to coach him. It's not an auction, you know, <laughs> where the guy with the most money wins. It's it's You're still going to play a game. And uh, these 18-year-olds, I don't care how much money they got in their pockets, they still got to go out and block and tackle and, and uh, win football games. And so uh, that you know you can you can have all the guys on your team making more money than all the guys guys on Saban's team, but Saban's team's probably still going to block and tackle better. And uh, you know that's that's the point of the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, that makes for good good TV, though. Coach, uh, a thought with and radio. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 gold, baby. <laughs> I got to ask you about what the Pac-12 decided to do as far as punting divisions. So they'll take the the two best win percentages to position themselves. It's been a busy week in Rosemont for the Big Ten. Do you think the Big Ten follows suit and does away with divisions? Do you feel like the the second best teams always been in the Big Ten title game? Oh, no, absolutely not. And um, I think that, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of schools that are going to fight for that divisional playoff. Mm-hmm. And schools that, um, you know, especially in the West Division, I think, you know, it's going to be unlikely that if you break down and get, eliminate um, 
those divisions that there'll be anybody from the West even participating in that thing. So they're going to fight for it because it gives them an avenue into the playoff, and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal for your program, for recruiting and everything else, fan base. But uh, I see all of them going in that direction, to tell you the truth. The the point here is have the playoff expand so much where your top two can get in and it's no longer just trying to get two, but maybe you have a strong argument for a third uh, out of your league if you're the Big Ten or the SEC. And overall, Pac-12's had, what, they've had Oregon and they've had Washington, but it, it's going to be, you know, Oregon and, and SC and, and maybe Washington if they – pump back up how do you think the Pac-12 is positioned right now to to be in the playoff discussion well I it's the same teams it's going to be it's going to be Oregon it's going to be SC Uh, UCLA will be nipping at their heels Washington's the one team that can make an impact Utah will be a tough opponent Mm -hmm. a tough out uh but uh, you know Washington still has all the all the things you need to be a, a high level program. Uh, they just you know just you got to get all the pieces together, and they haven't had that. But I, it's still going to be SC and Oregon, and then uh, everybody else on the outside looking in. I think, but but Oregon's always beatable. I mean, Oregon is not um, Ohio State, sure. Um, so somebody can get Oregon, but. Um, you know, Stanford sort of had their number, but it's um, it's it's going to be those two teams. With I think the next two teams behind them being Washington and and maybe UCLA. I think UCLA is going to. There's still going to be a factor in there. Coach, got to talk Nebraska. We have been leading up to to Nebraska and Northwestern and Ireland as an offensive guy and a head coach. What what what's the uh, What's the uh, the worry point of of your offense? If you start a season off and your offense is sputtering, what's the timeline for it to come around? And as soon as possible is the the preferred answer. But I'm talking with Coach Whip in, in Nebraska. At what point does the offense need to be ready to rock and roll? Is Oklahoma about the uh, the date? That'd be Game Four. I don't think you ever put a timeline on that. Okay. I mean, you, you, you let it evolve, and if it doesn't evolve fast enough, then you got to take some measures to get that evolution going, kick-started. But, uh, you know, the sooner the better. I don't, I don't, you know, the sooner you get in motion and get it going, the more innovative you can be later on. And so uh, if you're just fighting to get first downs and fighting to get the, the ball in the end zone in the red zone, that's a struggle that's hard to overcome. You just don't all of a sudden do it. So you you uh, once that's happening to you, once you can't get first downs and once you're struggling in the red zone, uh, that could be a season long. It doesn't just come around. You've got to keep working on it. So if you can get that up to, you know, ready early, then you can work on all your other stuff. But if you can't, then all that other stuff doesn't mean anything because you've got to get first downs and you've got to get – um, touchdowns in the red zone. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, to close, going to ask you about Coach Fitz and Northwestern and what makes him so great. There's a ton of respect for for him 
and Northwestern's won a lot of ball games. They played in Big Ten championship games. When we talk about, you know, what makes coaches special, the wow factor, what what is it about Fitz that uh, kind of elevates him uh, amongst uh, many in a, in a really good league? Well, I, I think for Fitz is he's a perfect fit for Northwestern because he played there. He understands every aspect of it. I was just with him this weekend, and it's just amazing to see how he is so comfortable in every setting. And whether it's former players, former teammates that he's around, and he was around some this weekend, or former boosters or current boosters, everybody respects him because he just covers all the bases. <laughs> and um, he, he was just as much of a trickster and uh, a fun guy with his with his team as he was a good player and a leader on the field. And so everybody respected Fitz. He did it. He did it there. He understands it. He's got compassion for, for those sort of things. He loves the game. Uh, he's in it for the right reason. Uh, I just saw renderings of the new stadium. It's mm. going to be unbelievable. And so he's got it going. And I just think he has created a ton of respect for the program and for himself. Well, he's doing a great job, and he's got guys going into the NFL, first-round picks, and uh, Nebraska fans, uh, one way or another, will be purchasing a lot of Guinness uh, Saturday night and <laughs> and into Sunday, potentially, over in Ireland. Uh, tough ball game, but excited for, uh, for that matchup. Coach, uh, have a great weekend. Have a great birthday before we talk to you next, and uh, thanks oh, for a few thanks. minutes. All right, thanks, Chris. Great being with you. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, World Series champ, Husker, Hall of Famer and All-American Jabba Chamberlain with us. Find him on Twitter at Jabba underscore 44. Jabba, it's, uh, well, it's baseball season, man. The weather's making it feel like it. How you doing? Good. I'm, uh, I'm glad we got through this spring. I, I've had enough sitting in the stands in, in cold, misty, rainy weather. So this uh, this nicer weather for, for some summer Legion baseball is is something I'm looking forward to. Can't wait for, for Legion ball to start up. Uh, a thought from you, just monster series against Sparty for Nebraska as, you know, heartbreak against the Illini, but Nebraska came back the right way against Doral Roberts. Uh, any thoughts here on this weekend? I mean, no margin for error for Nebraska. Yeah, I think, you know, it's we obviously see where we sit and we know there's some things that, that have to take place for us to, to get the tournament. But I think it's it's we can't scoreboard watch. We can't do that. We have to take care of business against Michigan State. And, you know, we're going to have to have some things fall in line. But, you know, came back and, and had a great midweek game and carried that momentum into this weekend. And, you know, you got to win the first one. You got to win, and don't even start with the first game. Let's win. Let's just one inning at a time. Let's let's win each inning and and continue to go from there. I, th- I think it's uh, it's possible. I think 
you know, we got, we're going to have to grind, but we've also done that all year with the injuries and, you know, just things haven't gone our way and, and you know, hitting with runners in scoring position. But you know what? We can, we can go out and, and finish strong and, and see what happens. I mean, we go out and, and do what we need to do and, and have a series win, hopefully a sweep, and, and we'll see what happens. Jabba, uh, a thought on the news of the day, the back and forth between Jimbo and St. Nick, Saban versus <laughs> Fisher, and the, the uh, mother of all emergency press conferences today at 10 down in Aggieland. Wow. Uh, wow's all I can say. There's some insinuation by, by Nick, and there's a whole lot of insinuation by Jimbo earlier today. I mean, it, it, I'm going to use a movie quote, that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, just the back and forth and how much coverage. And, I mean, you know, it's some of my work is on Twitter and just seeing the back and forth and then listening to some of the interviews and, you know, takes from, from some of the guys on, on the networks and, you know, how they're defending one side or the other. And, you know, you're paying this player, you're doing things illegally. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's crazy because, and, and the fact of the matter is, how do, how do you look at that as paying a player when now it's legal with NIL? I, I've kind of looked at it from both ways and the understanding of, of certain situations. And it's not necessarily paying a player doing something. It's just the fact that you, as a organization, what you want to call it, or as a entity, mm-hmm. which is, you know, yourself, you, what are you going to do in the in the best situation to win and and put yourself and your family in a good situation? But the way it, the way it, it came off and and whatever, it's a, I mean, they were going straight for the jugular. There was there was no holding back between those two. Might have to to make a trip down to SEC media days before Big Ten media days and and put a steel cage up and just let him go. I mean, it was so thick with Jimbo's. Is, is, is insinuation read in and, and the last question of the presser was you know is Nick bending the rules and Jimbo's like I'm not saying that well there was so much insinuation there and, and Jimbo had been with Nick at LSU and you know people people do time working for coach Saban that's the word I get I mean it's not a fun work environment but yeah it, it pays off in the end because you're a head coach or you're somewhere else making a ton of money as a, as a Saban protege. Uh, what he did in my, I, I, my eyes is he had a bunch of folks gathered at a amateur sporting event, and he, through the media, unloaded on his own boosters. You don't want to finish second, finish second to A&M, better get your ass in gear and put a collective together. Uh, because guess what? Me putting first-rounders into the NFL – it's not going to cut it anymore. The, the The playing field is not level anymore. Uh, people are evening up to us, even though Nick Saban's disgusted that he's going to have to go in-state and, and potentially, through a collective, have to shell out money to get the kid he always used to get. I, I, I think it's it's 100% right in, in how you said it and, and what it's going to be, and you know, as the collective, is it is it going to be stepping on toes? Is it going to be doing certain things that technically aren't illegal, but it's kind of an un, unwritten rule and in, in the things that they do? And you know, everybody is is getting to that point. And you know, the guys that Saban was always getting now maybe going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And 
always when he wins a national championship, if you ever notice his demeanor, he's never excited because he immediately focuses on them winning again. I mean, every interview after they win is is kind of very mundane. He's like, we'll enjoy this tonight, but then tomorrow we've got to move on. And mm-hmm. and that's, that's just what he is. And, and like you said, everybody that has put in their time and, and you look at it from, from all aspects, you know, you look at everybody that's coached under Bill Belichick and what they've done. And you look at Nick Saban and, and the aspect of, you know, when Jimbo and his presser was like, you talk to anybody that knows him and they'll tell you everything about him. Well, <laughs> Where the body's buried, it's, it's, Jimbo. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It, and is that true? Because if it was to that point, we really haven't heard anything. And, and there's been, there's been a plenty of names that have worked under Nick Saban and, for him to fire one of those off and, like, you can talk to anybody, now does that open up the bag of worms where one person said something and now somebody's going to dig here, dig there, talk to this person and ask some things and maybe some uncomfortable questions and see what happens? Like I said, this isn't over. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pop some popcorn and put my feet up on the couch and uh, hopefully get some good action going. Let's talk state baseball real quick. Uh, East having a tremendous run uh, in action against Millard West. The winner gets Millard South. You've seen all three of these teams, and what sticks out to you about first Millard South and then also what, what East has been able to do? I think you had you know, let's focus on East for, you know, obviously Lincoln coming out representing us well, and, you know, fortunate they had Carter Mick, you know, go and throw an absolute gem of a game to, to put him in that position. And then you got Jalen who has pitched in big positions going to San Jose State. And, you know, it's just they, they've gotten, you know, big outs when they've needed. They've gotten people big to step up. You know, Carter's saving, saving guys in pitches because we all know pitch counts and they can only throw a certain number to be eligible for the next day and so on and so forth through this tournament. And I think watching all three of these teams and playing against them, they're – they're all, they all do the common things uncommonly well. They play baseball the right way. They back up plays. They take the extra base. And it's going to come down to pitching. You, you've seen Millard South, and we've played them a few times. And it's just they haven't swung the bats real great in the tournament, but they've played good baseball. And they've, you know, they came out and upset Millard West, which was the heavy favorite coming into it. And then you've got, you know, Millard West, who – understands how to win. you got seven guys going D1, but, you know, Millard South is the, is the team to beat. And I think East you have to look out for because you've got the momentum. I mean, because they were they were down and out and, you know, got, got some good good outings, got some big hits. They've got, you know, early two-run homer to, to get them on the board. And I think the momentum going into it is, is huge, but it's also the fact, too, that they have to, you know, understand it's, there's no mistakes now. You, you got to win two big ball games, and they got the arms to do it. And I, I think it's going to come down to that pitching and defense, and it, it's going to be some low-scoring games, and it'll it'll be fun to watch. So hopefully the weather holds off. They moved they moved the game up, so it's 30 minutes after the first game completes. So hopefully this rain holds off, and we can get that in and, and crown a state champion. Job just quickly here, I want to move down to Class B, where Waverly's been having a, a great run in the state tournament. But I want to ask you about uh, a kid who's playing for a team who's been bounced from the state tournament. That's Tucker Timmerman, a future Husker pitcher down at Beatrice. And I saw the stat yesterday that he only gave up two earned runs this season, good for a 0.341 ERA. And I want to ask you, was your high school ERA anywhere close to that? Um, no. Uh, that's Last time I checked, if you have a zero in front of it, that's pretty good. <laughs> And I mean, it's 
I love the fact that we're getting these kids to stay at Nebraska. And, and obviously we've seen the year that the Huskers have had. But you're getting the kids that have the talent, that understand what playing for Nebraska means, and, and we're keeping them here. I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot of kids in Omaha that go to different places, but it's something that, that always makes my heart feel good when you've got kids that understand Nebraska is in a process and they want to join that process. And, you know, he's, he's done well. I mean, I've, I've read about it. I've seen the numbers, and I don't care what level you're playing at. To only give up two rounds, I don't care. I'm playing Little League. I'm probably going to walk somebody, and somebody's going to hit one, and I'm going to give up two runs. So, you know, it, it, it's fun to see. And going back to Waverly, you, you go in as the eighth seed at 13 and 13, and you knock off the number one in the in last year's state champion. So that's been fun to watch, too, in, in the Class B realm. Java automated strike zone. Are you for what's going on in, in AAA, moving its way up to the majors, or do you like the umps behind the dish? Based upon everything that's that's happened and listening to the interviews and from a broadcaster's perspective, the, the AAA broadcaster, he said there was only a couple times where there was a delay. And, I mean, everybody knew that the umpire had an earpiece in, and they said there, there was a couple times they showed highlights where the batter looked back, and that's, that's always going to happen. That's human nature. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting – was first of all the feedback is it going to slow the game up is it going to speed the game up and it's it sped the game up it didn't hinder the game it didn't slow the pace down watching the highlights and, and it looked it looked very natural if you didn't know what was going on you you wouldn't have felt that it was a little different but the other aspect of it is and uh chris bryant was is rehabbing with the rockies and, and he brought it up too and, and he makes a great point as of now, the strike zone, that doesn't have to be a percentage of the ball. It just has to nick it. If you think about that in the tennis aspect, when they review it, it doesn't have to be all on the line. It doesn't have to be 50%. There just has to be a speck touching the line. Hmm. So I think that's probably the one that I would look at the most. Is, is it just touching it, or does there have to be – 10%, 20%. Sure. And I think that's just going to come along with getting used to the system because if it's just nicking it, then that that's going to create so many different aspects of the game where now there's more swings, the game is faster, the game is going to be a little bit more exciting because guys are going to have to swing the bat. Mm-hmm. So from from those those two things are, are the are the biggest and based upon what What's happened as of now, the, the feedback has been great, the, the immediate call, and I just think it'll be that aspect of is it 10%? Do we leave it as the way it is, see how it goes? But I think after all talks, but from what I've seen, it's, it's coming. It's definitely coming. Jabba Chamberlain. Jabba, we'll get caught up again, bud. Uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the 
the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Burke's Best Bets, Vison Sports Network's very own Danny Burke, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter, the Danny Burke Podcast, and of course, Rush Hour weeknights uh, across the country. And uh, Danny Burke, you're getting a little Ferris Bueller time with the cameras finding you at Wrigley, man. You weren't ditching work, were you? <laughs> Nah, you know, I hustled back from the uh, from the sports book at Rivers Casino, hopped on the old Divi bike, if you have the uh, lift titties out by you guys. So went from my apartment, went to the bleachers with a big crew of our friends, and yeah, I got exposed out there, had the mean mug and look, uh, the resting B-face, if you know what people <laughs> call it. But I mean, hey, the Cubs were losing to the Pirates. I was ready for a sweep. So uh, my face pretty much exemplified how I was feeling in well, that moment. Well, see, the thing is, is he wasn't skipping work because if he just takes the Cubs line, he's now at work watching that game. He's scouting. Exactly. <laughs> he's scouting. <laughs> now you're talking. What is the uh, what, what? What are the Daddy Burke odds, uh, favorite wise, between a steel cage match between Saban and Jimbo Fisher? Who wins? What are the odds? <laughs> I mean, honestly, look. Jimbo, I, I got to respect the mustache that he always reps uh, as it is. But, look, uh, at the end of the day, if, you, if you've got the brass to kind of say that in the first place, I feel like you got to make Fisher his life favorite at that point, right? I mean, him coming out and saying that, that's kind of a big thing. And, look, uh, we know that we know that Saban's getting up there in years at this point. So, uh, yeah, give me, give me Jimbo as at this point. And, sorry, I'm not the mustache that he reps. I was getting confused with someone else. But, still – I got to give the edge to Fisher in this battle if he's coming out firing. Nick Saban would be down, and he would find a way, dirty or not, to win. But no, here's what I'll say. All I'm saying, he he would pull his shiv out and do the work. But if I show up to like an underground fight club and they're taking bets, and the fights between a dude named Jimbo and a dude named Nick, I am taking Jimbo all day. You got to do a little background and realize Nick is from West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> so, Daddy, a, a thought here as Golden State not only covered Elijah Herbal, but also the unders hit last uh, night. So that's a steak and a beer for me. Uh, what do you uh, what do you make of this series? Did you like what you saw from Golden State? And do you think they make quick work or is this thing an extended series? Does Dallas come back with a counter here for game two? Well, look, you don't want to be the person who's the Monday morning quarterback, but this is the thing with Golden State. Like, they're capable of doing this. And this, for me at least, has been my concern with Dallas, really, from last year to this postseason. But they've just been overcoming it time and time again. And based on kind of the inconsistencies you saw with Golden State last year, you did think that there was a chance that Dallas could come out firing. But now you saw what Golden State still can be and probably what the true colors of this Maverick team is. Now, I mean, going forward, I don't expect them to get absolutely creamed like they did in game one, but I think it's pretty clear that the advantage still resides with Golden State, that they're still the top team in the Western Conference and that they can flip that switch when need be. In terms of betting that game yesterday, I mean, I was fortunate enough to cash on a couple of props. I took Wiggins over 15 and a half, for example, and he had like 10 at the half and then cruised over it. It's just a really good matchup for someone like that who can expose the mid-range game that Dallas is really weak at defensively. So keep an eye on a matchup like that. And really because you also have to consider what these opposing defenses have to focus on. Oh, you got to look at Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, 
Jordan Poole, and that's going to inevitably leave another score like an Andrew Wiggins open. So it's things like that that I think you can really seek out in this type of series. The line is now like, what, six, six and a half? Again, you know, I don't like really laying spreads in the NBA because of how volatile it can be. So I'm pretty, you know, I beat the dead horse when I say this, but I do think waiting for the in-game with this, with the spread being high, would be the right move. But also, hey, if you're kind of thinking opposite, if you're thinking it's a little bit of recency bias, now the line could be a tad bit inflated, and you might want to bounce back and pounce on the Mavericks catching a lot more points. So uh, if you think that could be the case, then, yeah, you've got a good opportunity right now. And, you know, I'd probably rather bet an over in this series pretty much every game as opposed to the under. Because if Dallas is going to keep it close or win, you're probably thinking it's a slow, methodical game. But if Golden State does what they want to, there's going to be plenty of points. So I kind of erred to the side of Golden State, and I would correlate that with most totals going over. Danny, the game tonight is Celtics and Heat. Heat are up one nothing in the series uh, on the back of Jimmy Butler's performance. And tonight, uh, the Heat favored by one and a half points. What do you like tonight? You liking either of these teams' money line, player props? What are you thinking? That line came down to one and a half. That's appalling. I mean, I know it opened as high as five, and I guess maybe with the news solidified of who's playing, maybe that has something to do with Horford is in or not. So I don't know. You'll have to let me know. But um, you know what? It, it, with this line coming down, I was like, if this thing gets down below three, I might be tempted to hop on Miami. I bet Miami the last game, and I did it before the news came out. But even still, I said the same thing. Hey, there's going to be a time because it's basketball and there's enough talent that the Celtics will have the lead or keep it close. And there were so many great in-game betting opportunities all the way through the half. I mean, I had a brief flop on Miami, and then when they were down, I was like, look, the Celtics were shooting out of their minds, and conversely, the Heat were missing shot after shot. That's not going to stick around and be the same. So I also live bet the Heat, and that obviously came through. So, you know, I think in terms of a side, I'll wait to see how the rhythm of both teams are looking. And I didn't get involved in anything pre-flop, but there has been some movement to the over. I kind of don't hate that. I think there could be a decent amount of points in this game as well. So if I were going to do anything before the game tips off, I'd probably bet this total over. I think the number like was 206.5 was the best. It's been creeping up, so maybe 207 as of this point. Danny Burks with us. Burks' best bet, Pride of Chicago, VEASAN Sports Network. And uh, can find him on Twitter at DaddyBurke5. Well, some uh, over-unders are out, Danny, for the college football season. And Nebraska has landed at the dreaded seven. And as you look here, nearing the end of May with your crystal ball out, seven, over, under, or right on. What do you think of the win total? You know, I mean, there's been obviously a lot of hype around this team in terms of some of the projections we've seen, which is always a little bit scary as, uh, you know, Cornhusker fans. We all know how that goes. But honestly, and I've been saying this, and I've been pretty, I guess, uh, optimistic about this Nebraska team more than others. And don't get me wrong, they do us all dirty, so we know how it goes as of late at least. But with the number at seven, you know, I was kind of hoping some of these books would come out at six and a half because then I would bet the over just based on what these people think from what they've seen the past couple of seasons. But at seven, man, I, I think that that's pretty, pretty accurately. But if I had to go one way or the other, the fact that they're not making it seven in the hook, I think I'd still bet the over there, guys, because of the potential to push. But And then right at seven or eight seems about right, probably more so a chance they fall on seven. It's so tough to call. You've got moving pieces and parts and – a lot could come together with all of the portal additions, some high-level players, 
You're still waiting on a couple of defensive linemen. You're going to need to come in and help. You've already landed a couple of nice defensive linemen. Uh, is the O-line going to be better slash healthy? So many question marks, but you know the tone will be set for week zero, Danny, with that uh, that opener against the Northwestern Wildcats, and right now that's minus nine and a half. Get that handled. I think seven looks okay. I think so, too, and if anything, I think that's just an indictment of maybe not desperation levels, but just in the sense of how much pressure is in Scott Frost right now. I mean, you guys talk about it at nauseum, but this is it. This is the year he's letting the adults in, as you'll say, from time to time and, you know, kind of getting the help he needs and maybe not being so prideful and calling this offense and getting a quarterback that can actually have time and make accurate throws. All of these things are going to equal more of a steady type of Nebraska football team that's not all over the place and can look organized and can finally, finally close out games, which I agree. I mean, with the number at seven, that seems right. I'm with you. Daddy, we'll talk next week, bud. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely, boys. Take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, big thanks to Gary Barnett, Jabba Chamberlain, and, of course, Brandon Vogel, Saban V. Jimbo, the big topic today. Some Husker football in there. Some baseball thoughts from Jabba tomorrow. Uh, Jeremiah Searles, Jacob Badilla, Bill Dolman. We are efforting Sam Cook. That may come through. Let's hear from Sam Cook as, man, the pride of Ulysses, Nebraska, retiring 16 years, the NFL. For sure, a Baltimore Hall of Famer could be an NFL Hall of Famer. He's been incredible. And old Sammy tried to get through his presser today. Today, I'm retiring from playing professional football. It's very hard, uh, and we're starting off on a good note. (laughs) But we'll get through this. We we only have nine more pages left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First and foremost, I want to thank our owner, Steve Bishotti and the best front office in all the sports. Ozzie Newsom, Eric DaCosta, and Dick Cass. I am grateful they took a chance on this unknown corner from the university. All right, I got this, I got this. You've been in tougher situations before. <laughs> I do know that. We can get through this. Well, he was incredible to watch. He's been a lot of fun to, to talk to over the years and wishing him well. He's going to do a consulting role with Baltimore. So he is 39 and can still bench more than you, me, or your dad because he's just a tough dude and what a great player. 
Now, at what point does he come back to save Nebraska's special teams? Well, let's give Bill Bush some time. Bill Bush is money. <laughs> and Bill Bush was, uh, you know, the guy that worked with Sam Cook at Nebraska. So, but it was, uh, you know, bittersweet for Sam today. And uh, that announcement, Baltimore drafted a fourth-round kicker out of Penn State, punter, I should say. But uh, Sam's uh, incredible, and uh, wish him and his family well in retirement. We'll get you qualified uh, shortly here. And uh, the Beef Up Your Backyard opportunity is awesome. That's the smoker from Capital Patio in the Flame Shop. Also a gift card to Russ's Market for all that meat. And uh, you put said meat on said smoker and you invite us over. That's how it works. Kidding, of course. End of May is when that happens. Pretty just drama-filled day with uh, Jimbo's response to Nick, Nick's apology, reprimands by the SEC office. And uh, Vogues was right, man. Best day of college football ever in May. (laughs) And we... For me. And we got all that drama, and guess what? More drama coming up tonight here locally for our, uh, local listeners, ESPN Lincoln, as the Lincoln Salt Dogs in a rubber match against oh, the Chicago Dogs. Absolutely. No hot dog on that, uh, that, that, no, no ketchup on that hot dog, there but get some Italian beef. Collar nine, so I can get out of here. Uh, Collar nine right now qualifies to beef up your backyard with Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. And, of course, Russ's Market. Caller 9, right now, 466-3776. You're outside of Lincoln with our affiliates, 800-825-5865. Caller 9, Salt Dog Baseball, shortly be good. A Huda Media Production.